you're listening to the Chatting in the City podcast, and this podcast is an initiative from the VTRAC Lab, also known as the Vulnerability, Trauma, Resilience, and Culture Laboratory at the University of Ottawa. The goal of the lab is to research and explore mental health in Black communities, and this podcast is a part of the Become Heal project financed by the Public Health Agency of Canada. My name is Mika Jean-Betzis. I'm a fourth year student in health science at the University of Ottawa and a social mobilizer. And I'm here with me, Leslie. Um, I'm also the social mobilizer at the VTWAC Lab, and I'm also a fourth year student in psychology. Very glad to be here. Great. And so this episode of the podcast will discuss mental health in Caribbean families and communities, as well as the mental health of students. So we're now just going to allow our two guests to introduce themselves. I can go ahead and start. So hi, everyone. My name is Monique Keppel. Um, I'm a third year student in biomed. Um, I am a member of the CSA and I come from a Jamaican background. Hi everyone, um, my name is Esther Gooms. I'm currently a fourth year student in political science and public administration. And I'm also part of the Caribbean Student Association um, and I'm currently president in that role, so yeah. Paul, oh, thank you so much for being here. So I guess we can start and go ahead with the first question, which is what is mental health to you? I can go ahead and start. Um, so to me, mental health is the overall maintenance of your well-being that's not physical or spiritual. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with your perception of um, yourself in the space around you and how it impacts you. Yeah, um, I think it's similar to what um, Monique said, but I think mental health for me is just being at peace with like who I am and like the situation I'm in um, and just having confidence in myself and that I can get things um, done um, but also when things aren't necessarily good just being at peace with how things are and working through that in a healthy way. Um, That's great um, and to add on to the topic too because I'm also from a Caribbean background for those listening um, mental health to me is something that everyone has because I know that we often like we think about it in certain sense, but something that everyone had and like exactly what Monique and Esther were saying, it's well-being outside of being spiritual and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And if I can also maybe add something, it's um, that at first of all, I absolutely agree with um, all of you three. And I think that sometimes we are mostly focusing on our physical health, whether that our mental health and also spiritual health. And I think uh, mental health is really important. It's important to take care of it and um, to not uh, burn out ourselves. So just need to add that. Um, yeah, and that's kind of related to our next question, um, which is going up, what was your perception of mental health and mental illness? Because sometimes um, we mainly talk about mental health in the sense of mental illness. So it has, for example, talking about depression, or um, uh, maybe trauma, um, what are that mental health? So we wanted to see um, what was your perception of those two um, kind of categories when you were growing up and maybe even now? I I can go first. Uh, I guess growing up, for me, it was an awareness of it, but also like an ignorance to it at the same time. Like I've had close family members and like close friends who struggle with mental health and me working through that, but not knowing exactly how to place in what 
what it, exactly were they struggling with. And I think that came through like my own self-education and understanding the different types of mental health and how it affects people differently. And it's not just um, something like, there's a scientific basis to it, I guess. And sometimes like growing up, it would just be like, oh, they're not feeling good. Like they're just upset or they're just, you know, not working through their problems, but it's more to that. So I think growing up and understanding the intricacies of mental health is something that's come um, to me over time. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. Um, I definitely agree. Growing up, I don't think I had an understanding of exactly what mental health was. I I had an idea of what men, like mental illness was, but it was never spoken um, in environments around me in a positive light. So I can't say that um, it like it wasn't easy for me to understand. And it was always just like a side comment of, oh, that person using very negative words and not good words that we would use now to describe like how a person's um, feeling or experiencing something. And I think I got most of my understanding of mental health from reading. I was a really big reader growing up. So reading books about characters who are going through things and having a name to the things that they're talking about really gave me the opportunity to be like, okay, this is this thing that we've been talking about, but not positively. This is the full idea of it. Um, and that was kind of my gateway to learn more about it. Like as Rochelle said, there was a lot of like self-education that had to go into it. Um, and I think there's still learning happening now or just maybe just better understanding. Um, I'll say now my understanding is more focused on like what are coping strategies and how to get through things as opposed to what things are. Um, but yeah, for me growing up, it wasn't really positive. Yeah, I can add on to that with what Monique said. Same thing, like not a positive perception of mental health or mental illness. And I think a lot of the factors that like influence that is because I grew up in a very like church spiritual background and even on my dad's side my dad is Haitian um outside of the church and when we talk about like spirituality that's um native to Haiti a lot of the times mental illness was described as like some sort of um like a spell or something that was cast onto someone so it's not really there was no I guess scientific perception of mental health and mental illness and similar to you both like it was coming to university and reading things and learning different things and experiencing things. And I think the first time I ever like really understood what mental health was, was like sometime in ninth grade when we were reading, I think Catcher in the Rye, and they started speaking about how the main character is going through different things. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. But yeah, that was my perception of mental health and mental illness growing up. Wait, if I could just add to that, I completely agree. For me, it was like grade 10 and we read To Kill a Mockingbird and there mm -hmm. was like, going on. I was like, those are words, those are symptoms, those are things. Yeah. Shout out to English class <laughs> in school. <laughs> okay, so the next question is, are there any words in Patwa or, you know, whatever dialect that we might speak to address mental health? Um, if you can think of any, <laughs> I this question kind of came from um, something we spoke about at the conference um, on Black mental health when we talked about like all the different words that we have in different languages to address things, but like how many words do we actually have to put names to mental health problems or just mental health in general? So if you can think of any, I can't, but go ahead. I can't, oh, sorry. Esther, no, go ahead. Okay, sorry. I can't think of anything that would 
really describe mental health but the only thing I can remember is like my grandma would always tell stories about things that was like going on back home and she would describe people who weren't doing well that I now perceive as like okay like they were going through so much as either that they were crazy there was a spirit going on their spirit was uneasy like but it was never they're just unwell so yeah I went I don't know if there's like a word for it but there was a lot of a lot of spirit things for sure yeah um just to go off that as well like there's no like positive connotations when they talk about mental health it's usually negative and it's usually attached to being crazy one I could think of was like foo-foo like that person's foo-foo acting foo-foo um which I guess ties back to crazy um so it's like nothing positive um other like not necessarily words but just ideas I think that um, I've grown up with is like people victimizing themselves or like they're causing this they're not helping themselves it's like they have to like figure it out I guess um, and kind of having a lack of empathy for people going through um, mental health issues so and also like tying it into religion and you know that person just needs to pray more or you know connect more with um, God or something and that's how they get out of it which is not the only way there's definitely like science behind it as well to get through it <laughs> that's good and like I, I guess this is great because this leads off into this other question but like in general how has your perception of mental health changed and have you noticed a shift like in our communities of like mental health perception and mental health awareness I actually really love this question um me personally I am very grateful for the people I had or like my family because there was a lot of a lot of people in my family decided to go the route of healthcare that was focused on mental health or focused on like the well-being of individuals but not in um like a, a hospital setting so I have a lot of family members who are in like who are therapists or they like have psychology degrees and masters and things like that so thankfully within our immediate home, there was a bit more conversation. I will say ignorance was still very present, um, but there was a bit more willingness to talk about it. So I can, I can fully remember like we, as a family, like we went through something pretty rough and due to us having previously been willing to talk about a lot of things when like the experience happened, we were able to kind of lean on each other and talk about it instead of isolating ourselves. So my perception changed a bit based on the fact that like I, an environment was created where we could talk about it. Um, I will say we're still doing a lot of learning now because now I'm in a position to educate myself and I see some of the ignorance or some of the things we choose to ignore when discussing something. Um, so now it's a bit of a back and forth, but at that point I was really grateful for it because I saw a lot of my friends' families who didn't have um, the same comfort level to discuss certain things and I saw how it affected my friends because then they would come and talk to me about these things. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect thing that I speak to my family about, but you don't feel comfortable to do that. Um, so my perception changed due to the environment around me and now it's just changing even more. Yeah, I can add to that as well. I think I also have people in my family who are like in the healthcare field. Um, so they do know about like the science behind mental health and things like that. But there's also people in my family who, um, kind of like are ignorant to it and don't want to learn about it and they may, might be the people struggling with mental health but they kind of have stigmas against it and getting help um, so like there's the balance between those I think another concept that I think is different gener generationally 
is the concept of like self-care because I think like older especially black women um like the idea of that we have to do it all you know um the strong black woman trope and things like that I think in our generation we're trying to break those um generational curses honestly and that it's okay to ask for help and like not be soft but it's okay to like not be okay um and ask for help in that I've seen like older like generations in my family it's like you're not asking for help but you're taking all that on and that does have a toll on your mental health as well mm -hmm. I totally relate to that especially what you said about um like as black women I feel I also feel like we need to do twice as much in a way um to be equal to like our counterparts for example and that can definitely affect our mental health and I mean for me there was definitely a lot like growing up like a lot of taboos and like stigmas around mental health like that's definitely not something that I would discuss with my close family or even my friends like that's not necessarily even therapy that wasn't necessarily something that um we really believed in uh, believed in and um and I, I think that's why like the VidFact lab and maybe I'm a bit biased here but I feel like the work that we do at, at the lab is really important because I definitely feel like it's important to have um race-based research because sometimes especially in psychology I mean I'm a psychology student but what we see in our classes is that sometimes the data is mostly um taking on white communities and not necessarily on um, black or bipolar communities and uh, as we can see like our realities and our perspective on certain things is not necessarily the same as someone um white for example um but yeah so i wanted to uh to see we wanted to see um how um the the stigmas but also the pressure that we just discussed has influenced um how you feel about mental health Um, I think that the stigmas at first made it really uncomfortable to learn about because it was, it meant two things. It meant learning something new and it meant rejecting a really easy thing to understand at the time, if that makes sense. So then having to learn about it meant completely rewiring like my idea of the concept. Um, and so that was really challenging at the beginning, but I think now I'm at this point where not to say it's a, a comfortable idea, but I feel as though I've shared things with the people around me to try and um, lessen the stigma that I see within my own community and specifically within my own family so that when things do happen and when people do feel things, they're comfortable to talk about it. Um, because I've seen the other coping mechanisms that they've tried and it wasn't working. So if we can try something else, why not? Um, so I would say at the beginning, the stigma really made it uncomfortable and awkward. But now I think after all the learning and taking the time to realize what it is, um, it feels a lot better or more secure in like discussing with other people. Yeah, I think what you said is exactly how I feel. I think the first step in like seeking help, like stigma kind of holds you back because that's all you know. And it's a lot, it's a process of unlearning what you've learned. Um, which can be painful in a way, on top of having to go through unlearning trauma as well. Um, but like kind of throwing off the stigmas that it's okay not to be okay, helps to take that first step in um, 
to begin that transition into having a more healthy concept of mental health and improving your own mental health. So, yeah. That's good. And, you know, when you guys were both speaking, I was kind of thinking of um, a little bit of what you said about the strong Black women trope. And I kind of want to get into it a little bit and ask you a little question on the side, but just that, um, do you feel like you've experienced pressure living under that trope of the strong Black woman? And if so, do you think that you're making waves now to kind of distance yourself from it? Or is that something you still hold on to? Um, I can go. I think it definitely has influenced my life, like being a Black woman, being like the oldest child, like those type of things really impact you and like the expectations that society has for you. Um, I think, um, again, like what Leslie said, like feeling like you have to work two times harder and also like holding it down for everyone at the same time it could be mentally draining and like navigating white spaces at the same time and being strong but like not being abrasive not being loud at the same time could be very mentally draining and stressful so it's been something that has definitely impacted me I'm trying to like I'm starting that process of rejecting it like I I'm not always strong like I do need help sometimes and I feel like um when you look at like other groups like they have like this like I don't know how to explain it but like for example white women like like they're seen less like strong and like more people might want to help them in society and then you might be going through those same hardships and struggles and you're seen as you know like she's a strong independent black woman like she can get through that but um that's not always the case and like we equally need help um too so I think destigmatizing that, breaking that down is a process I'm currently going through, but a process I think will be really helpful to my journey. So yeah. Um, this is a nice big question, Mika. <laughs> um, I, yeah, a thousand percent, definitely, definitely experienced it. I will say, so I grew up, I had two environments. So like I went to church um, and so that, that environment was a very black environment. And then school was a very white environment. So I felt that pressure a lot at school. And it was in a lot of the small things. Like looking back now, I'm like, I definitely shouldn't have let these things slide in like grade six and seven, but I didn't understand exactly what it meant. Um, now, incredibly harmful. But back then, I just didn't understand what exactly was happening. But I found that in Black spaces, I don't know exactly what it was, but I, the pressure was less based on the like, again, my family plays a really big role in this. I'm the youngest of everyone. I've been, not to say babied, but like my grandma will always be like, why aren't you like, where's your plate? She's gonna push me to the front of the line. Like that, I was always, I was always seen as honestly the opposite. So it was very jarring for me to go into spaces where that was what was expected of me. Um, so I, I definitely think I had a bit of an, the opposite reaction where I was trying to understand what this thing meant and why it was placed on me. So my issue now is understanding why that was placed on me and under, and trying to figure out where I separate from this idea. Um, so that that's my biggest issue. But <laughs> definitely, I felt it a lot in white spaces. Um, and my family was just a very, very different environment altogether. Mm -hmm. That's a very nice, sorry about that, insight. Um, and I mean, I guess our next question is going to be two questions, but feel free to answer one at a time or both 
at the same time, kind of. But uh, we wanted to know um, what are your perception of your mental health during the school year, but also um, how do you feel, like do you think mental health is accurately addressed um, at university? Um, like, do you think there's enough emphasis on the importance of mental health um, for students, especially um, where should I students and also um, your perception of it doing like for the school year, throughout your undergrad um, journey, I want to say. I think we touched a little bit on that in the beginning. But feel free to add anything if you'd like, but that's. Yeah, I can go. I think my perception of my own mental health during school kind of like fluctuates, especially like if I was in school now in November, like November is like a tough month for students, I feel. Um, daylight savings is just dark every day. It's just exams, midterms, things like that. So definitely when like there's a lot of work, that's a lot of time where like I feel like my mental health falters. And I think um, navigating through that's really important. Um, also having to like detach my like self-worth with academic like achievements that's an important thing that you need to learn how to do so that your mental health can stay more consistent and it's not based on like your outcomes in school because your worth isn't based on um the outcomes in school which is something i've had to unlearn uh, and i'm still trying to um and then if i think the school adequately addresses mental health i feel like it doesn't um and there's still a lot of um, work it needs to do, especially for BIPOC students. I feel like um, they're off, often pushed aside or not thought about when they create these um, these services for students. And I feel like there is a lack of services for students. Um, with the pandemic, uh, mental health has been a big factor, not being able to have interactions with students, not being able to have those life experiences as a young person um, has some is something that I feel like has impacted a lot of students. Um, in university and the ones don't try to navigate school, like going from pandemic to school, that's still a jump too, because you haven't been around as many people and now you're around a lot of people and it can be overwhelming. So I think there's a lack of um, understanding sometimes from um, teach, well, professors, a lack of in-person services, but that also has to do with the pandemic, but like connections. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there, there needs to be work done. Um, so the first question about my own perception, um, I completely agree. November is a rough one. It is a very, very rough month. I was shocked by the amount of midterms and assignments that they're capable to put into this short little month. Um, so during, like during the school year, it definitely fluctuates around September. I'm a lot more content. I feel better. I'm probably going out more. I'm seeing my friends more. By the time November, December hits, I've unfortunately probably isolated myself. It's too cold to go anywhere. So everything is working against me feeling good, honestly. Um, so definitely it, it has its peak moments and definitely has its really low lows. And I do not think that our school does enough to address mental health um, and a thousand percent, especially for BIPOC students. I do work in residence and like I've seen a lot of the opportunities and services they want to have but I don't think that they're being advertised enough and I don't think that enough people are feeling supported by the things that they're offering. Um, and I think that should be a sign to modify or um, 
adapt the services because if, if the feedback is that it's not helping me in the way that it's supposed to, I think that's the, the moment that um, we should be considering other things. So for now, I just hope that we start to consider those other things, but I don't think it's well addressed at all. I agree. And I honestly feel like we need a lot more individualized strategies for BIPOC students because, again, there's so many factors that influence our mental health and even just like barriers to accessing the services at all. So I really do think that they need to do a little bit better on that. But our next question is, what are your coping mechanisms during the school year? I'll start with this one. <laughs> um. My coping mechanisms, um, I'm really into music. I grew up taking piano lessons. I've done band in high school the entire time. Like music is my thing. So I will usually isolate and just listen to music and really just like enjoy it. Something about that is very grounding for me. Apart from that, I would say um, I like to cook. So trying new dishes has been really fun lately. And I have a friend who likes to eat. So we've just kind of partnered together and we decide what we want to try. I'm willing to cook it. She's willing to try it. Um, and that's just been a really good, we do it like we've tried to do it once a week. And so like whenever we do it, it's just a moment to stop. We're not doing assignments. We're not stressing. Um, so that's been really helpful. I like to call my mom. I will say like going away, something about going away, my relationship with my mom has improved since going away. So now it's like a, I want to tell her what happened in my day vibe. So we'll call each other at the end of the day and we'll just catch each other up and she'll give me advice on things. I'll give her advice on things. And something about that is just really, it reminds me that it's going to be okay, if that makes sense. The same way that we talked about, like, it's okay to not be okay. But her speaking to me gives me the, the confidence in myself that she has. And something about that is very necessary at the end of like a bad week, especially like if, if you tried your hardest and just didn't work. So I, I'd say those are like my go-to coping mechanisms. Yeah, a lot of mine are kind of similar to Monique's, but I would say listening to music, playing music, it's something that's also been a big factor in my life. Um, so that is something that just kind of de-stresses me from things. Um, I'd also say talking to people. For me, like, I usually feel better when I talk to someone, and I'm the type of person where, like, I like talking through things and, like, kind of seeing that, oh, my problems, like, I might be thinking too much about it or it's not like it'll be okay in the end. So um, either talking to my friends or my family, um, like my mom usually about like what's going on and just when I'm stressed about, when I'm really stressed kind of helps me navigate through that. Um, so those are two big ones. I would say also um, things that help me have less stress to get to a point where I'm crashing and like burnt out is like, um, kind of managing my time through things and like having strategies to keep organized because I feel like when I'm unorganized but also stressed and it just keeps piling up that's when like things just come to like a halt so I think they like um, kind of organizing every day um, but breaking down really big tasks into smaller doable things helps me feel like I can get it done and that it, it's it's going to be done and um helps me think that it's less of like a huge mountain I have to overcome and more of like smaller hills, I guess, but yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree. I'm also a big planner. I plan my entire days and week, but I also do think that it's really important to take time off 
and just do thing that you want and that relaxes you to take care of um, of your mental health personally i mean i'm always on my computer and like around technology so like during my me time i'm like to do like anything that i don't have to use the technology and <laughs> um, so i for example i like to weed but also i'm a terrible cooker so usually yeah, <laughs> i don't do that for fun but um but yeah, anything that won't involve the internet and like technology yeah i'm, I'm here for it for like my me time. So um, yeah, I guess we can go ahead with our last question for today's podcast, which is how would you improve access to mental health for Caribbean community and for students? That's a very large and broad question. Um, so feel free to go ahead with any even tips that you want to share or what of advice for students or recommendation for government? Um, I think like making the things available known to students is a big one because I think a lot of students don't know where to go when they're going through mental health struggles. So having resources be readily available to students where students usually find things is a big one um, because I think there's a disconnect with people creating programs and like students having access to those programs. I think a lot of um, trying to transition to have more like connections, like building connections and strong community connections is something important. Um, and like kind of mental health um, like associations working with the Caribbean community together to create solutions instead of um, not consulting with them and kind of imposing what they think those communities want. So having communication and knowing what the, the community needs to actually address the, what the community needs, the issues that are within that community. Um, and I think um, just letting students know that like you're not the only one going through this, because I feel like when you're going through mental health struggles, you feel like you're the only one or that no one understands, but um, kind of create like um, an environment where students know that it's like everyone goes through struggles and it's okay. Um, and I think that helps to reach out to others when you feel like, you know, they can have empathy for what you're going through. So, yeah. Um, I agree with everything that Esther said. The only thing that, like, I, I was thinking of while she was speaking was no matter what the resources are, I would just, something I would suggest or something I'd want if I was, like, a, um, someone who was looking for mental health resources from a Caribbean background is just whoever I'm speaking to to also be from like a Caribbean background because we're coming from um, a culture that really doesn't, not to say value, but hasn't taken the time to understand this concept. So for me to go um, from this background to speak to someone who grew up in a very different environment is super comfortable talking about mental health could be incredibly jarring. And um, the biggest concern could also be like, they're not understanding exactly what you're trying to say. Um, so I think it would just be the most helpful if whoever it is is offering these resources could also be of the sh of the shared experience. Um, I feel that would make it a lot easier for others to open up as well as to feel supported because me talking to someone who is comfortable with this looks very different from someone who knows and understands what I'm experiencing. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And also like I'm so with you with just meeting people where they're at because in in our communities, like we said, like we can't go from 
not talking about it at all or talking about it in a negative light to being like, well, maybe you have such and such and such without any primer. It's going to be really scary and we're probably going to reject it. So I would say that's true. And then also if we're talking about upstream factors too, like policy and stuff for the government, I would honestly just prioritize funding for these programs because you're both right. Like there's services, there's resources out there, but they often don't get the funding that they deserve or um, that's needed to address the issues in the community. Absolutely. And I think even throughout today's episode, something that really came up a lot was the community and the importance of communities. And um, I also think that in um, racialized communities, that's something that's really important um, and that we are connected to our community. So even in further research, I would say that um, it's really important to work with, for example, community center because they are the ones who are the closest to um, to the people. Thank you. Um, that concludes today's podcast episode. And um, thank you all for listening to today's um, episode. Thank you to Monique and Esther for taking the time to be with us today and to share your personal experiences. Um, take care, everyone. And I guess I will see you in our next um, podcast episode. Bye-bye.